You're listening to On Balance, the NYU Politics Society's political podcast. I am your host, Nick Sani. I'm Louis Bartholomew, also a co-host. I am Ali Delianis, contributor from WNYU News. And I am Maria Navarro, and I am with the NYU Politics Society. So today we're going to be talking about uh, the Catalonian referendum movement. So as many of you may know, the Catalonian parliament voted earlier this year to allow a vote on independence on October 1st. Uh, earlier this month. This decision was ruled illegal by Spain's constitutional court and Spanish federal authorities authorized by Prime Minister Rajoy used police force to try and disrupt and prevent the vote from taking place. Even with the attempted suppression of the vote, 43% of voters took part in the referendum with nearly 90% backing secession and independence. Many anti-independence voters and parties in Catalonia boycotted the vote, however, and now the Prime Minister of Spain has given the Catalonian regional president, Carlos Puigdemont, a a deadline to clarify whether he has declared independence. That deadline is fast approaching, and by tomorrow, he must give his answer or face the possibility of imposition of direct rule on Catalonia by Madrid. So I want to open it up to our guests. Uh, What do we think the ultimate goal of of this movement is? What's the goal of the Catalonian president in this scenario? Is he trying to actually get a truly independent state? Uh, or is he simply using this as uh, a ploy to get more concessions for his region? What are our thoughts? So um, if we think about what's been going on in Catalonia, um, just the fervor that's been going on, a lot of this, um, you know, the protesting, the call for independence co- comes from a deep-rooted sense of identity and um, about preserving the Catalonian identity. So what we're seeing is Catalonian nationalists actually teaming up with um, leftist organizations uh, to come together and push for independence. And so I feel like in the sense of them wanting that identity, yes, uh, the secessionists do want, you know, this full independence, but I don't think of it as a long-term political, uh, stable, you know, state. I don't think that Catalonia will be able to transition, you know, from being a part of Spain to being immediately, you know, their own Catalonian state simply because they have that shared Catalonian identity. I just don't see that going somewhere. Right, because a lot of it, I think, has to do with that sense of identity. But a lot, there's going to be some huge economic backlash. I mean, two of the major banks in Spain are relocating from Catalonia, and a bunch of companies have already declared that they are moving their headquarters to Valencia to still be part of the Spanish government. So economically, I don't know how viable it is. However, I I do think that it could be, you know, at the point at which there's 92% of the people who voted wanting independence, it might not be easy for them, but it definitely is something that they want, right? And I think it's important to, even if we don't think it's realistic, really consider the implications of an independent Catalonian state. Like, uh, I've read a lot about how that would be devastating to the European Union, for example, because the EU has already said that they're not going to be accepting Catalonia as a member state if it becomes independent. Uh, we are already seeing a lot of EU fracture uh, just in general from you know Brexit and talks of other countries wanting to leave as well. So in independent Catalonia, while it might not be successful, uh, it still would have devastating implications on the rest of the the European continent. And I think that with that, we should consider, like, if the people want to secede, do they have the right to, regardless of any of the effects that it could have? What are your thoughts on that kind of, on just the idea of secession, um, both in this particular instance and, you know, just in general, should states be able to secede? 
I think that's like really tricky <laughs> um, because we, I mean, secession's role in democracy is like a tricky business because you also have a government has to be able to rule its people effectively. And this is like kind of going in a Machiavellian direction, but they, you have to be able to put your foot down in order for a democracy to function. That said, because it's a democracy, if people want to vote their way out and secede, they should have the right to do so. So it's like, there's no right answer. <laughs> it's it's a tough, tough thing. So you believe that they have the right to secede if they want to? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think so. Does anyone disagree with that? Well, yeah, the, I think the question is, is it a... So in the Spanish Constitution, their their justification for why it's not legal is they say it's part of an indissoluble union, which is similar language to most democracies, including the U.S. Uh, but there's never been I, I, in the U.S. Constitution there isn't. There's no explicit uh, idea of anti-secession. There's nothing saying you know you must remain part of this in perpetuity. Um, you know, in the in our own Civil War, we we had sort of a loyalty pledge where I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. We had uh, in Reconstruction at least 10% of voters eligible in southern states. They had to pledge loyalty to the United States in order to get back full voting rights within Congress. And once they did that, then they were readmitted back to the Union. But the Union imposed that rule on them. Um, now, you know, we have a situ situation in <coughs> Catalonia where people, everybody can vote. Uh, they, they have this right. And they're arguing sort of on, on lines of self-determination. Uh, but again, with a legal argument, it seems like it's just not there. How do how do they go forward from this? Uh, what how does this game of chicken end? Do you think? What are, what are the possibilities? Um, well, just speaking a bit about like um, the Spanish government's role in this, um, I believe that yes, they should be enforcing you know this constitutional uh, provision. But it just says a lot about where they stand on democracy when they are uh, suppressing it through non democratic means. Um, as we saw in the protests and uh, the Spanish are trying to suppress the vote, um, taking uh, the ballots. And you're literally taking the most fundamental tenet of democracy from people's hands. And um, is it legal? Should it even be happening? Um, that is up to debate. But even if it were to have passed or not passed, the Spanish government, I don't think, should be putting this whole like moral ground of saying, you know, we are the indissoluble union, but not have anything to, you know, um, convince people to remain in that union, if you will. Mm. So you think they're not doing enough to, to give a good argument for why Catalonia should remain part of the Spanish state as a whole? Yeah, because they're just pointing to, you know, the legal provision of that one sentence, which up in itself is up to interpretation. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, just looking back at uh, Spain's history, back when it was a fascist state, mm -hmm. would that have been legal? You know, um, was it legal for Franco to, you know, go to Catalonia and tell them you must obey my every demand. Um, I don't think the question of legality, if we're following legal legality to the letter, there will never be secession in the first place. Mm -hmm. I don't think secession in itself is, you know, legal, but that's the whole definition of secession. You are saying we are done with this. We are going to write a new set of laws that we are going to follow and we are willing to fight you mm -hmm. if need be. I don't think the main, the main, it's not about legality as I think they're trying to frame it. It's more about legitimacy and mm. who's going to recognize Catalonia as a legitimate state and who's not, regardless of it's breaking the law. I think we're kind of beyond that. Right can, now. can Catalonia be recognized as a legitimate state? What do we think? Like, do you think it has, do you think if it, if it goes through and they do become independent uh, with or without a civil war with Spain, do you think that 
they'll be granted legitimacy by any of the major countries in both Europe Especially and the rest of Europe, the world. Yeah. yeah. I don't think so, to be honest. I mean, the European Union's already taken a stand, kind of like, we're not, you know, screwing with this. We're not going to play into this. And I think that's really interesting if you look at, like, the secession of, like, um, Kosovo mm-hmm. and what uh, Scotland and Northern Ireland are trying to do, which seems to have more legitimacy granted to it by the European Union. But even, that's an interesting point with Scotland, because Spain has said repeatedly that they wouldn't even... Uh, let Scotland into an EU if they secede. So they seem, you know, Catalonia is already interplaying with Scotland because they don't want to give any of their their ethnic minorities in these regions any ideas about self-determination either. And I think the the secession of Kosovo was rooted in, like, a response to, you know, genocide, basically. And I think because Catalonia's is uh, rooted more in identity and nationalism, it almost doesn't have this same kind of legitimacy granted to it by the European Union because it's kind of they're more like putting their foot down, which mm-hmm. is totally valid, I think. But there aren't any like tangible reasons beyond beyond the national identity. But the national identity is quite a tangible reason, I would say, at the point at which 90 percent of voters care enough about this, that they're willing to leave their original country and become their own country like that. That is tangible in a way because and we're seeing we're seeing tangible effects with, uh, you know, police demonstrations and with um, with threats against like, you know, the the president of Catalonia. There's a lot of there's a lot of like tangible things happening. Right. And so why why not grant that legitimacy? Like a lot of most countries are initially formed based on a difference in identity. The United States was formed. Like the, the revolution basically happened because our identity was as Americans and not as uh, Europeans anymore, right? And so identity is the basis from which most new countries are formed. And so why why does that take away legitimacy compared to like Kosovo? Um, I think if we're going to try to tie identity to legitimacy, we need to consider is people's sense of identity as Catalonians influencing their decision to be um, activists for this separatist movement, or is the separatist movement influencing people's heightened sense of identity? Because if we're going at it from the opposite end, after, let's say it's granted, let's say they're successfully able to secede from Spain, um, if this sense of identity just goes away because there's no longer, you know, this revolution to get behind, where is the legitimacy at all? You're just going to have a group of people who are, you know, essentially without a government and now with a lessened sense of identity because there's no longer an opposition party to be, we are Catalonians, they are the Spanish, we are different from them. So if, I think if we're going to talk about like legitimacy, we need to establish what is influencing um, what, you know? But I, I don't necessarily think that that sense of national identity would go away if they get what they want. It's it's success for them. They, there will be a lot of national pride around, we're drafting our own constitution, we're forming our own government. Like and that does hold people together, at least with the formation of a country. I think um, eventually down the line, sure, that national identity will go away, and it'll eventually maybe come back, just like all these things do. They they're cycles. But I don't I don't necessarily think that the fact that there is a stronger national identity because of opposition means that if the country does if it does become independent, that that'll just go away, right? I don't think it'll go away. I just don't think that that's their sense of legitimacy at all. I think we need to find a different source of legitimacy rather 
that that is not identity in itself. Right. Like has what has Spain I guess the question is what has Spain done to uh Catalonia to actually make them want to secede other than the fact that they have a different national identity. Like has Spain done anything like abusive towards that region at all or is it just they want to be independent because they feel separate from Spain? I like, think that depends on who you ask. <laughs> I mean, yeah, going going back in the uh, to the history of Spain, Catalonia became part of Spain in, I believe, the mid-1700s. It was incorporated as a territory and then as a state. Under Franco's regime, um, all, all ethnic minorities within Spain were, were subjugated and, and suppressed. Their uh, schools, their hospitals... Uh, everything in their daily lives was appropriated and made into made to use the Spanish language. So people were only allowed to speak Catalan, for example, at, at home. And it's kind of a miracle that it survived as long as it did during Franco's dictatorship because they weren't even allowed to speak it in public. Even, even newspapers had to be in Spanish. Uh, so there is that history to consider. I remember reading a few BBC articles that were drawing parallels between the suppression of the vote, seizing of ballot boxes, the fact that over 700 people were injured in protests, which is astronomically high number. They were comparing it to uh, Franco's suppression. And I think the, the Spanish government has been trying to distance itself as much as possible from that, but I'm not sure they're succeeding. Uh, it's just a question of whether they're succeeding internationally, because that's really where the recognition of a potentially independent Catalonia will come. Yeah, that um, the seizing of the ballot boxes was a step in the wrong direction for Spain, because that's just got everyone even more fired up. Yeah, And, and also, like, you know, the police in Spanish police unions, I think earlier today, like, called for repercussions against the president of um, Catalonia. There's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot of problems now with like abuse from Spain against Catalonia um, due to the referendum, but there wasn't necessarily anything aside from a different sense of national identity before. And that might be wrong. And like, if, if that is wrong, and I'm sorry, correct me, but like, so, so maybe that's where the legitimacy does get muddled up. But also like, I don't necessarily, I think that if if you want to be a country, like, I don't necessarily have a problem with, like, that idea of self-determination and, like, nation states and that kind of thing. This idea, actually, of self-determination, it's come up in, in U.S. history as well. When we, when the U.S. Uh, won the Spanish Civil, or excuse me, not Spanish Civil War, Spanish-American War, when we incorporated the Philippines as an overseas territory, a lot of people were calling out the U.S. as hypocritical because uh, there were guerrillas in the Philippines who were arguing along the same lines of the American Revolution, saying we want self-determination uh, away from an authoritarian government. We want to have our own destiny. And the U.S. suppressed it. Uh, are we being hypocritical as a government today, not supporting these revolutionary movements of our allies? Or is it our duty to stand by, or Spain is definitely an ally. Is it our job to stay by them and say, yeah, this is, these are your borders and we support you doing what you want within them? What is our duty here, do you think? I don't think we have a, a duty specifically to anything. This is a Spanish issue, not an American issue. Um, our, our well, just as the as the principles upon which this nation was founded as a revolutionary country, you know, we we wanted a lot of people wanted peaceable secession. Britain wouldn't allow it. We took up arms and we we got our own country. I mean, it, would we be able to support Catalonia if it came to that, or would we say, no, we're not going to support such measures? I, I am very skeptical of um, the United States under... Actually, I don't know. Like, I don't know how Trump would react to this, but I, under normal circumstances, I would be skeptical of the United States gr granting legitimacy to um, uh, an independent Catalan. I wouldn't... I, I don't think that they would 
recognize them as a state at all. Um, however, who knows with Donald Trump? He's been okay with just burning bridges with allies before. Uh, maybe he wants to seem supportive of the people's vote voice or whatever. And so maybe, and also like, you know, a, a sense of a strong national identity um, pushing a, a group of people to do something. Like these are all things that kind of are resembling of this American nationalism that, you know, arguably got Donald Trump elected in the first place. Catalonia first. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, so I, I I I would be interested. It could go either way. I wouldn't be surprised if Donald Trump like did recognize uh, an independent Catalonia, but I also don't necessarily think he would. Yeah, um, just paying attention <coughs> to the news, the White House has said very little about the whole Spanish Catalonia uh, incident, and so I think there's two aspects that maybe um, if they were to focus their attention on this, um, one, the sense of like nationalism, and in that sense, if the White House would decide to stand with like this nationalistic, you know, identity uh, type of rhetoric, they would support Catalonia. But if um, we look at the other component, which is the law and order one, um, which is something that has heavily influenced a lot of policy from the White House, um, they would want to stick with Spain, with um, our official ally, and saying, you know, these protesters are rioting, they're causing violence, um, you know, Spain has the right to institute law and order in their own borders. And so I think it would just depend on what type of um, rhetoric the White House would want to take, but it's been very clear that this isn't much of a priority to the White House, at least not yet. Right. And it's it's definitely, I think, better for our national interests to stick with Spain, just because they're a larger economy, they're a closer ally of ours. We don't know about the success of an independent Catalonia. So, you know, I think it's hard. I think it's hard for a lot of people in America to in United States of America to divorce our history with what's good policy, you know, and because I I understand the Catalonian kind of identity. And if you pull in like the American Revolution and all those kind of revolutionary politics, yes, we were founded on those ideals. That said, I don't know if a Catalonian state is a good idea. And that's, I think, the thing that the White House is trying to work out right now is what kind of stance to take. All right. Next, we're going to talk about uh, the recent interaction between the White House and the NFL, which is just something outrageous that I have to even say that. But uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, last week now, uh, Mike Pence flew out to Indiana to leave a football game, like to show up to a football game and then leave when uh, people were, when uh, football players were not standing for the national anthem. And he tweeted about how it was disrespectful to uh, a bunch of veterans. And yes, wait, you want to say something, Allie? I just, I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> okay, yeah, just let's let's go straight into it. What um, are your thoughts? First of all, he, <laughs> before the whole NFL players kneeling during the national anthem controversy, Mike Pence had bought tickets to this game. So he didn't do it. He didn't fly over there intentionally just for a political stunt. He was going to go anyway. That said, he very easily turned it into a political stunt. I read um, an article where these reporters had said, oh, yeah, our editors told us to, not to go into the game to stay outside because he was going to pull a stunt. And so they did. So I think it became a political stunt. It became a political stunt, but it was, didn't originate. Like, it didn't come from that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It turned into one. It turned into a good opportunity. Well, so Lewis had some interesting thoughts earlier about what we would call a political stunt or not. Do you want to share those right now? Yeah, so uh, this is just a working idea, so bear with me. Uh, the idea, so labeling something a political stunt uh, in this case, so usually I think has a negative connotation. Uh, we might think of 
So last year when Democratic lawmakers, I believe they walked out or they had a sit-in uh, over gun control. Uh, I forget about uh, which incident after after this was. Uh, but they, they did this political maneuver. People on the right called it a political stunt. I think people on the left called it a, a, a show of conscience. Uh, so, so I wonder, is do you think it's fair to to label it in those terms or should we... I, I guess I'm just wondering whether it's a fair label or whether we should just go after the content of it. Well, I, I, well, I think that there's a, a difference because one of them was like a response to an incident that happened, right, where people were, were killed and they wanted to display something, right? But in this case, it's not a response to anything but a peaceful protest, mm -hmm. right? This isn't a protest. This is a response to a protest, whereas with, with the Democratic lawmakers, it was a protest, right? Uh and, and so it's it, the reason people are getting mad about this and calling it a political stunt is because it was it wasn't like a display of some kind of policy implementation they wanted. It wasn't some kind of, you know, we want this problem that exists to be solved. It's we are annoyed that people are not standing during the national anthem in like literally one of the most peaceful, like non damaging forms of protest to have happened at all. And so we're going to make a big deal out of it and make a show of leaving this game. And so I think the word political stunt comes when it's like not actually trying to fight for something, but instead trying to just, you know, but, but when there's no real policy impl implications of anything that he's doing. Anyone disagree? I just want to back up to the first time this happened. Colin Kaepernick, um, he's on the 40, or he was playing for the 49ers. He's a free agent and hasn't been signed. And I think that is another interesting layer to this mm. since he started taking a knee and he originally took a knee in support for the black lives matter movement um to protesting police brutality in the united states so it's really kind of irritating to me because it's pretty disrespectful of the white house to take that away from what colin kaepernick originally intended for that and which is why mike pence walking out and turning it into a protest against america as a whole and disrespect for the flag is just Absurd. I think it's so absurd that it's yeah. turned into this. And we've also seen a lot of veterans come out in response and talking about how, like, they also value, like, this isn't disrespecting them. This is, like, just another form of protest, and they're okay with it. Um, yeah. What are what are our thoughts on just the, the way the White House has been responding to this, right? Like, the fact that they responded to the NFL in the first place, the fact that Donald Trump tweeted about it. Like, do we think that that is something that is befitting the White House or are we even if we don't support Donald Trump are we okay with this like them doing this the NFL is technically like a, a private company technically a nonprofit actually but it's separate from the government entirely so why are they even attempting to interact uh, the NFL's upper management sent out a memo encouraging players to not kneel during uh, not take a knee during the national anthem after Donald Trump tweeted at NFL for management. So what do we, what are our thoughts around all of that? Um, well, if we go back to the political stunt thing, um, after Mike Pence, you know, walked out of the game uh, saying, no, this was not a political stunt. I was here for the game. I just took a, you know, my, uh, exercised my freedom of speech as an American and decided to walk out. Um, the president went on Twitter and basically, you know, delegitimized everything that he said, saying, I told Mike Pence, to walk out of the game if um, the players took a knee. And so it was already, you know, this like premeditated political stunt. And we know that not because Mike Pence did or said anything, but because the president 
negated everything that Pence said. Um, but that being said, in terms of like, what is the White House's stance on this? Um, President Trump tweeted specifically regarding the NFL. Um, he tweeted, the NFL already gets like big tax breaks. You know, he's talking about the tax code and how he wants to, you know, use that to pressure the NFL to make their players stand for the national anthem. And the NFL spokesman, um, if I remember correctly, in their, you know, in their official, their official mantra is saying, we are not forcing our, per our players to stand. We are saying that they should stand. Sarah Huckabee Sanders keeps saying, you already know what the White House's stance is on this. Don't ask us about it again. It's everyone should stand for the national anthem. I almost feel like the fact that they're having such a heavy response to the NFL's, like to the players protesting, shows some kind of almost insecurity in the White House. You know, if, if they felt like they had a stable grasp on the country, a stable uh, you know, th that they were actually doing the right thing. Um, there wouldn't be such a huge, huge outburst uh, just at some players not standing during the national anthem. However, the fact that there's this huge, huge response shows, I think, that there's just some or maybe a lot of insecurity within the White House about, you know, they feel like they're losing their grip on the American people. I'm more interested in hearing their thoughts on the Spain and Catalonia conflict than how they feel about the NFL. Exactly. Or their response, you know, to Puerto Rico or the mass shooting we just had in Las Vegas. I just personally think that the White House has a lot more on their plate to deal with than the NFL. But for some reason, they seem to grasp this. And I feel like it almost is tied to, you know, Trump's base. You know, American football is like a very, you know, it's it gives us it's one of the things that unites everyone, uh, regardless of race, of creed, of everything. Um Everyone is sitting around the TV watching football. And so I think just this, like, him losing his own base, which is already um, smaller to begin with, uh, is kind of, like, scaring him. And so he's coming up with policies or just stances that can reaffirm to his base, you know, I stand with this whole, like, ref uh, respect the flag, um, this, like, America first policy. It's interesting because it might, I'm wondering if this will turn into policy because he, so right now he's just tweeting out uh, his feelings about, about this issue. But I wonder, similar to a flag burning amendment that has been proposed by multiple administrations, uh, and actually it's usually done by lower level House members and it usually misses by a few votes every couple of years. Uh, thankfully it misses it, in my opinion. But do we think it's possible that he might actually try to turn this into legislation where uh, we try to institutionalize the idea of standing for the national anthem. You know, this this tradition has been around since World War II, uh, pretty much at every baseball game, football game, basketball game, uh, as sort of a, a military pride thing, as being proud of one's conflicts uh, against other nations and building nationalism. Is it possible that they institutionalize this? Well, I think that, to draw a comparison, Donald Trump also tweeted earlier this week about um, how he... Might he, he's like NBC should maybe lose its license because they're fake news, right? For a for a, for a Republican, a conservative party, there's a lot of like government interference in the free market going on with that tweet, right? Or it's almost as if he's not a Republican. All, yeah, wow. Um, but uh, that so I wouldn't be surprised, right? Like it, sports are not like any in any way a, a public industry they're all they're all private like even teams are owned privately for the most part um they're non-profits he could revoke their non-profit statuses if he really wanted to but you know 
there that would be that would be something that I don't know if like Republicans themselves would actually be okay with because that's huge huge government regulation in the free market in such a like specific targeted way uh, that and the precedent that would set standing during the national anthem or any interference with any of these companies would be I think very devastating and not something that even Republicans would be behind. Not to be that person, but this is kind of reminding me of the slippery slope in North Korea, where it's all kind of so nationalized, so much propaganda that it, I feel like that would be a huge step back if there was any kind of legislation that demanded you stand for the national anthem. And even like legislation is being a bit generous because I feel like if the White House really wanted to do something about it, they would um, just have the president sign an executive order saying, you know, everyone must stand for the national anthem. Yeah. I don't know how they would enforce that seeing as people watch from their television sitting on the couch, <laughs> but that is a different matter completely. Yeah. I mean, we actually already see that kind of legislation in India where because they've instituted these laws, I, I think it, it mainly applies at movie theaters. That's where I've seen it applied. And there was a an elderly man in a wheelchair who literally could not stand for the national anthem. He was beat up as a result last year by Indian nationalists. Yeah. So we can... I, I, I'm not saying that's going to happen in the U.S. if it were institutionalized, but I think we can see where extreme nationalism has the potential to lead. And uh, yeah, why why would we want to enforce patriotism? Isn't yeah. isn't the best thing about patriotism that it's not enforced? Right. Uh, to provide some context for the the India thing, like I'm not I'm not about to like defend the people that beat that person up, but India's uh, like in the Indian culture, like standing during the national anthem, like as soon as you hear it, is almost like a a gut reaction. Like my parents haven't lived in India for more than 50 years now, like more than 30 or 40 years now. And if they hear it, they immediately stand up, even though they don't feel connected to the country's national identity at all anymore. Right. And th that kind of thing. Oh yeah. For the listeners who don't know, I'm Indian American. Whoa. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, there's like a huge, huge connection there. And we don't necessarily as a, we have like patriotism towards our um, national anthem. Sure. But we don't have this, like the song specifically initiates we have to stand during it that was never a thing right necessarily people can sit down and listen to the national anthem in a private place and it's not like a big deal right so there, there's a cultural difference there but i can i can see the comparison because pushing us towards that more nationalistic you know more controllingly patriotic rather than freely patriotic way is definitely i think a step backwards well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to On Balance, the podcast from the NYU Politics Society. I have been Nick Sani. Louis Bartholomew. Ali Delianis. Maria Navarro. Thank you so much for listening.